Ah, shit. Here we go again. Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, guns for hire, soldiers of fortune, private military companies, private security contractors, dirty deeds, done not so dirt cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. And like it or not, wars are good, very good for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. So choose the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. The MENA region or the Middle East North Africa region. Lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. Welcome everyone and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Aconis, The Contractor's Life. So, picking up where we left off in the previous episode, uh, roughly one week into the WS, uh, WPS program. Uh, so, anybody that's listening to this episode that's not aware of what I'm talking about, go back to the previous episode. So, this is episode 12 in the third season. Go back one episode to episode 11. Uh, check that out, then you'll understand what I'm referring to. So there we are in this uh, small ghost town, if you will, in New Mexico. Approximately one week into it. Uh, so we've been introduced to, to everybody. Uh, we know, you know where we're all staying. We know where everything's laid out. We know pretty much everything we need to know. We're in the classrooms. 
we've been given our materials, our study guide, if you will, a fairly substantial, fairly thick study guide uh, that kind of runs through everything in module process, chapter process, lays everything out, very well structured, good detail. Um, and I, <laughs> I couldn't help but thinking when I was looking through it the first time, wow, this is eerily reminiscent of the uh, same, uh, uh, not the same, but eerily reminiscent of the study guide manual, if you will, that I received um, when I was in Moyoc for one of for a training class there. And uh, so there were a lot of similarities. So if that tells you anything about the instructors, the trainers there, um, there were, I think, as I recollect, we had one or two instructors at some point who came in later that were not SOF types. Okay, They weren't special operations forces from the various branches. Um, and our instructors and trainers, I think we had one that was Air Force. Um, everybody else was either Marine Corps um, or Army. So the majority of them were Army um, and we had a couple, two or three that were Marine Corps. Uh, as I recollect, the owner of the instruction training company was also a former Marine. But uh, anyway, so this, I thought, wow, interesting. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we had been, you know, uh, we, had, we had one class, but we had two groups. I forget how we designated them, you know, but basically it was, you know, A group and B group, however we did it. Um, they took a vote and they had, uh, forget what they call it, what our actual titles were, but basically, um, class or group, um, I don't know, supervisors, managers, whatever you want to call it. In other words, in the two groups, there was one person that was selected to be the head person, um, kind of like, you know, your company manager, if you will. And, uh, forget the fellow's name. Um, I want to say... Anyway, he was he was of Eastern European descent, as I recollect. So he was the the guy that was voted in charge for that group, and somehow, amazingly, I was astonished. I was selected to be the guy in charge of the other group. Um, so we started out that way, um, and we you know we we had already started some of our instruction and training. And as you might surmise or you might guess, um, and you would actually know if you've been part of the process, uh, it was fairly, it was not fairly, it was very immersive. And it was, uh, for the most part, it was pretty intense. I mean, it was pretty much nonstop on a constant daily basis. We were supposed to, like any other contract, we were supposed to be six on, one off. That's what we were told going into this program. I don't remember how that came up. Somebody asked that question, and the instructor said, nope, this is seven days. You guys are going to be, every day, you're going to be doing something. And we're kind of like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> um, turns out they were serious, which was fine, um, because there is so much to cover and go through to prep you and, may, and prepare you for what you may have to do. Now, like anything else, you know, experience on the ground, you know, you adapt, you change. But, you know, seven weeks, seven days a week, even though our schedule, I'm trying to remember our official schedule when we started our day in the classroom, 
um, was 8 a.m. until 5 p.m., something like that. It was a State Department thing, basically an eight-hour day. Well, our days started well before 8 a.m., and and typically they ended way past 5 p.m. <laughs> okay, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, it wasn't, that's not to say that it was a 12-hour day. Sometimes it was. Other times, 14 hours, 16 hours. Um, you know, and, and one thing that you, you either learned or you remembered when you're there is that if you're otherwise a fit, healthy human being, you can, for the most part, as long as you're taking care of yourself, eating properly and, and hydrating enough um, and exercising enough, yeah, you, you figure out how to squeeze that in there, you can pretty much get away with roughly four hours of sleep on a daily basis, sometimes for protracted periods of times, uh, which is pretty much what we did there for seven weeks. So, you know, during this first week, as we're, you know, bleeding into the second week, uh, we're, you know, a lot of classroom instruction. Uh, there were days later in this thing where we didn't actually go to the classroom, but we, but we always started our day in or at the classroom, even if it was only there for 15 or 30 minutes because sometimes we would go there and it was basically a staging area for us to put on our gear our equipment whatever uh, before we went out and did our training uh, because the instructors and the trainers knew and they said frequently you know uh, the, you know you're, you're pretty savvy after a time you can kind of look at and gauge when 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 you're starting to lose their interest so they frequently when they were instructing in the classroom covering down on stuff would break roughly every 45 minutes and give us a 10 or 15 minute break, get a cup of coffee, go relieve yourself, you know, t go out and get some fresh air, whatever, come back in. So there were times we were in the classroom for anywhere between two and four hours. And then there were times we were only there for 15, maybe 30 minutes while we stage and get ready for everything. Um, so sometimes there were some things that we could practice and do in the classroom, um, you know, but for the most part, Everything had to be done outside the classroom. And then you had to go out there once you've been talked about it, once you've had your answer and questions, question and answer session. You know, the only way you, you know, you got to put it into practical use. You got to go out there. You got to do it. You got to try it out and see where you stumbled, see where you failed. And so that, that you can, that stuff can be corrected and get back out there and do it again. Now, <clears throat> normally, there was a two, sometimes three chance kind of thing. It's kind of like, okay, so here's where you missed the mark. Here's where you failed. Here's where you came up short, whatever. Here's your second chance, you know, because we talked about it, correct it, got it, I understand. Okay, go out. So we do it again that day or the next day or another day. And, um, you know, there is an expectation of growth. There is an expectation of adaptation and being able to run with this stuff. Um, and not having to be told, you know, four, five, six times. Two times, okay. Three times once in a while, yeah. Especially if we're talking things that are a little bit more complex. Um, whether it's movements, you know, or firearm stuff, you know, or tactics. Um, so, you know, and sometimes they would do, um, you know, a headshed thing. What I would call a headshed thing. Where sometimes, based on feedback and conversations, the instructors would congregate somewhere usually out of our out of earshot out of eyesight and take a vote on how they're going to go with that and sometimes it appealed to us other times it didn't okay uh, so that's just the way that went so first week um, 
what was actually so-called the easy week because that was primarily all the admin stuff um getting everybody you know so you know and they put up a schedule basically i forget how many weeks it ran two or three weeks out and it would show you what they intended what they planned uh to do today tomorrow the next day the next week etc and the rough roughly the time a lot of for it but they did say and i believe it was the uh, head instructor i forget exactly how he put it but it was kind of like yeah don't take that as the holy grail we put that up but things can change <laughs> a few days later it was like yeah just disregard it because you know i started going wait a minute what you have up there is not what we're doing so long story short there was a fair amount to a lot of what i would call um mental stuff mental games if you will um so they want to see and it became pretty clear to me within fairly short order that to a large extent in addition to all the instruction and training that they're providing you and that you know they want to see how you respond and how you adapt to stress pressure and change because in a high risk high threat overseas even here in the states environment they you know you they that your team and the other people got to know that they can count on you and that stress test starts pretty quick and it never really ever goes away i mean you know as we get further along and one thing or another and you establish rapport and and you establish a track record of being capable and able to do things there's less of it but if they get a sense that an individual or a small group of individuals or the class collectively is not grasping not collect not getting on with it <clears throat> and not doing so well um you know and once in a while they'll just test you just to see <laughs> so um you know that's going to happen when you're on projects like that same thing with dod some of those training courses that i went through uh which i'll probably touch upon at some point um this season maybe next season uh some of them can be pretty intense you know and and there's nothing wrong with that this is not a civilian go to the indoor range drink your sip your latte while the next person in line is shooting and you know and pull up a youtube video kind of thing and talking with your wife or your daughter or whoever this is not that um there really was no time to sit down and talk on the phone to people except for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And again, as I've stated before, we didn't always have all three. Didn't always <clears throat> have time for that. Um, <clears throat> I'd say roughly 90% of the time we made time for it. But there were times we get back and it's lunchtime and I'm like, man, I'm not hungry. I got no appetite. Or because I kind of had a feeling what they were going to have for us after lunch is like, yeah, maybe I'd be better off not having food in my belly on this one. <laughs> okay, that happened a number of times. And, you know, people would ask me, you know, when that happened, after the first or second time, people understood. So when they didn't see me, when they saw that I was just drinking, I was just hydrating, <laughs> they said, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't or go very small on it. It's like, yeah, man, it ain't no big deal. Four, five, six, seven, eight hours later, we'll have dinner. Okay, so, you know, you had your breakfast, you'll have your dinner, lunch is really not a necessity. You really don't need it. Um, that's just been my experience anyway. But that's, you know, shit happens. So whether you're on a DOS or DOD contract, 
or some other contract, okay, uh, shit happens. You just never know. It could be breakfast, lunch, dinner. It could be while you're sleeping. Something pops off. You got to be ready. You got to be prepared. Um, so, you know, I mean, did I think about that when I'm eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner? It's like, oh, man, what happens if? Yeah, you know, so sometimes I ate more than I should have. But for the most part, I tried to keep it in measure with that kind of thinking. Uh, what if? So, you know, and, you know, most people know you can go a lot longer without eating than you can without hydrating or drinking. So I kept those things firmly in mind. So that, as we start that second week, uh, a lot of what we did, uh, probably the second, third, and, and to some extent the fourth week, we did a lot of dry runs, uh, what here in the States what you might call dry fire. Um, so we did a lot of dry fire, a lot of dry run stuff. Uh, sometimes it was a snail's pace. Other times, you know, as we got the hang of it, you know, the pace would increase. And again, once in a while, they'd throw that wrench in the cog, the machinery, to kind of see where we were at. Uh, because even if we didn't keep up with all the complexities that was going on, and things got more complex as we evolved and got further into the program, uh, because it's like, you know, it's like a, a really a high-end uh, performance thing. And, uh, you know, they want to see how you're progressing. Are you putting everything together? Are you grasping all this? Can you do all these things that need to be done and while you're walking and chewing gum and do all the other things you're doing? You know, can you do all this stuff? Uh, because, you know, if you're in a war zone or a conflict area, there's... A, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts, and you got to be able to keep up with it. You got to be a big boy. You got to be a big girl. You, you know, you just got to get stuff done. Time management is huge. It's essential. Um, and people hear about that still to this day. But let me tell you, time management is, is a must. And you must come to terms with not getting all the sleep that you want. You must come to terms with being uncomfortable. Okay, whatever that this that level that discomfort is for you, whatever the level is, you've got to come to terms with it and be okay with it. Otherwise, you ain't going to be there. And we did have people that I think one or two resigned uh, for their own reasons, whatever. Uh, but for the most part, they were told to go home. Uh, now there weren't as many people that went home as some of us would have liked to have seen. Uh, but, you know, to some extent, again, we're talking about the contracting world. And when you in certain contracts, particularly in a startup phase, the last thing they want is to say, okay, we've got X number of slots we need to fill. We've got Y number of bodies. So Z, we got it. And then for whatever reason, because they're not performing properly, uh, some of them is like, well, we the process and the time it takes to do all this, we just can't afford to let all 10 or 20 of these guys go. Um you know, and we don't have time to rotate in and out. So sometimes, you know, for a variety of reasons, when guys are standing around scratching their head going, why is this dude on this contract? Why is he here? Well, there's a lot of reasons. You know, sometimes it's the clearance. Sometimes it's the process I just talked about. Um, you know, and, and sometimes other reasons. Um, so we're in the second week, and we're doing a lot of uh, dry fire, dry evolution stuff dry runs, uh, you know, where we don't even have the red guns or the blue guns. 
uh, we'll walk them through using our hands to pretend we're holding stuff. And, and instead of, you know, clicks and little pops um, from sim rounds or other stuff, you know, we're doing shot, shot, shot or pow, pow, pow or pew, 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 <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it was the instructor liked most. <laughs> so, um, so whether it was, you know, an ambush scenario with a vehicle or an ambush scenario as you're walking or escorting, uh, you know, from building to building, I mean, so that that next week uh, we focused on what primarily are basics you know whether it's halls and walls outside you know with things marked off uh, taped off whatever um, a little bit later I won't go too, too much you know we did the same thing with room clearing uh, you know so these things you know again uh, let me backtrack so instructors frequently told us one or two sometimes three uh, you know you're drinking from a fire hose. Realize that we're throwing all this at you um, because a we just you know we don't have six months to do this. We got seven weeks, uh, but also it was a test. It was a test on us each individually. How much can you take in? Can you take this stuff in? Can you hang on to it? Can you repeat it the next day, the next week? So there's a lot of that stuff going on uh, because the average person. Uh, just doesn't understand what is truly involved, all the emotions and the physical stuff that goes into it, uh, when you come under fire uh, or when you realize, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, this is the real thing. Stuff happens. So that second week, that's kind of what we did. Uh, you know, and there were certain parking lots of varying sizes, plenty of dirt lots everywhere <laughs> um and of course uh you know more than that as we went further into the evolution but you know for now the first week bleeding into the second week that's what it was um a lot of that and it was kind of new it was kind of fun it was kind of exciting um so but that's it so then i want to thank you thank everyone that's tuned into this episode for taking time out of your day, afternoon, or evening to listen to me talk about private security contracting overseas, as well as some of my experiences as a private security contractor here in the States. Thank you to my wife, for whom I owe, as you folks have heard before, immeasurable gratitude. Um, thank you to my family, my friends, and all the people, male and female, who have been and still are part of my life. And remember, folks, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble, stay safe, and keep others safe by being aware and staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song Heavy Clutch from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also, a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez, who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.